0: Marvel likes their what-if stories. Well, here's one. What if the Avengers were all jerks? On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Ultimate Avengers. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me today in the co-host chair from Pop Culture Roulette, please welcome Nicholas Pepin. Nicholas, have you ever considered dying it black and getting it pierced? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> did you did you hear that in the movie? I just, like, I, I came up with it. I was like, I wonder if he actually heard that line in the movie.
1: Uh, You know what? I think I missed that one. I uh, wasn't 100% <laughs> sure,
0: but, you know, I've dyed my hair and had pierced ears before, so I'd probably be oh. game to do it again. So it's in the scene where Cap is walking outside, and he passes the, the guy and the girl that, you know, have the punk rock look okay they've you know the spiked hair and all that and as they're walking by the girl says yeah i'm thinking about dyeing it black and getting it pierced
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a Hmm. not not sure <laughs>
0: it's like that's a line to yeah, just throw in th- there yeah
1: there were a lot of just lines that were thrown in in this one that uh, were interesting
0: yeah uh, so we are in the middle of animation Moving panels, and for this animation uh, month, since it's our first official animation month, I wanted to do the first of Marvel in DC. And so, we are doing Ultimate Avengers, which is credited as the first Marvel cinematic original movie, whatever you want to. I don't know if their movie animated movies have an official name, but we can call it the Marvel. Uh, cinematic animated universe, kind of like DC kind of does, but their stuff didn't all get connected. That was no, the no, they they didn't. They kind of, and
1: it fell flat real fast too. Like the DC thing. Oh yes, the DC thing, the thing. Uh, started, and they've just kept it rolling. And they haven't. They don't even connect all the DC ones, but uh, but no. the Marvel ones. They I I. It's almost like as soon as they started the live
0: action a couple years later they just forgot they were doing animated. Well that's because they had the MCU at <laughs> <Yeah>. that point. <laughs> like, okay, animated's not working. Let's try it live action. And that seemed to, to work out. So we are talking about Ultimate Avengers. This movie was released, of course it was straight to video. Um, so not no theater release here, but it was released February twenty first, two thousand and six. I will admit, I think I ran out and grabbed it as soon as it hit the shelves. Uh, but when was the first time you, uh, you saw said it?
1: February twenty
0: first? Yeah, February twenty first yes. of two thousand six. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I I was at Best Buy purchasing it day of. Yeah, <laughs> again, I, I'm pretty sure I was the same, and the copy I watched was still that same copy. Like I haven't even upgraded. No, yeah, yeah. To like no, a I still have the DVD. Or... Have
1: they, did they even put this one on Blu-ray or is it?
0: I think they did as like a set with okay. the other ones. Yeah, it's like. A- like I think you could get it with Ultimate Avengers and Ultimate Avengers Two, or it came in like a box set with like some of the other ones, like Invincible Iron Man and Mighty Thor, or uh, what was that? Yeah. Tales of Asgard. Well, I was because I was when
1: I was doing mm-hmm. the research. Um, you know, they said they did what eight of them, six of them. Yeah. Yeah. Something and then like that. I was like, okay. I think I purchased all but one of them. I think Tales of Asgard was the one that I... By the time it got to that one, I was just like, yeah, all right, I don't need to buy any more of these. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I, right, them, you know, I, I assumed so. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, you're talking about uh, looking all these up. You can't like just look up this movie on like Wikipedia. Like it Instead, it's the entire... Animated series, which I found was kind of interesting. Like, why isn't there just a post for? uh,
1: Well, like like I said, I mean, I mean, half jokingly said, I feel like Marvel just forgot they were even doing it once they started live action. But, I mean, they've kind of, they haven't even bothered to stream any of them anywhere. You'd think at least Disney Plus, they'd be like, Yeah. Yeah, hell, we've got all these animated movies. Yeah, they're not as great, but at least, you know, we can get some content views out of them but they just
0: they didn't put them on hulu or Mm -mm. yeah i was surprised by that too because i i went and looked for it but yeah let's see there are so it's ultimate avengers ultimate avengers 2 rise of the panther the invincible iron man doctor strange the sorcerer supreme the next avengers heroes of tomorrow hulk versus Planet Hulk, and then Thor tells. Yeah, of
1: Asgard. so I, the to, tale Tales of Asgard is the one that I didn't purchase. I purchased all the rest of them, and then then I guess yeah. I, when it got to that one, I was just like, all right, I'm done, or that one just didn't interest me, or I don't know. Which is weird because Thor is one of my favorite yeah. characters. So, yeah,
0: but this was like preteen or teenager Thor. Is may, one, maybe
1: that's I why saying. I didn't do it, or you know.
0: That one came out May 2011, so then the very next year, Avengers, the live-action Avengers, would come out.
1: Okay, May 2011.
0: Uh, there might have been another reason
1: why I didn't go purchase Hail, because so so, that's the year I got married. <laughs> so huh. And in May of 2000, so that would have... I maybe was a little busy with
0: other things that I wasn't really
1: thinking about movies to go purchase.
0: All right, well, today we're talking about the first one, uh, Ultimate Avengers. Three directors. It was directed by Kurt Gita, Stephen E. Gordon, and Bob Richardson. Were you familiar with any of these gentlemen?
1: No, but I was surprised it took three people
0: to direct a very short movie that really was lacking. (laughs) I think total runtime is hour and 11 minutes. Yeah. I think that's with credits. I mean I it, think it's really only like an hour and eight minutes of actual movie.
1: I mean it almost feels like they were doing it more for the beginning of like another series. Like cause it had yeah. it was almost like this is our or you know how they used to do with the cartoons where you'd get like the hour episode or or the movie and then that would lead directly into the actual series? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, they did that with all TV shows. Yeah. They had they would have the little TV movie that would kind of kick it all yeah. off. It almost felt like that's what they were doing, but then they changed their mind. I don't know. It just yeah. But then they would use kind of the, this version. They, they didn't use this story, but they used this version for the Disney XD shows. Okay, you know, like the Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I think was the name of the first one. Then it switched to like Avengers Assemble or something like that. But it was th- it was the same group of Avengers, and it was the same kind of style of animation. But, of course, a lot more kid-friendly. But going into these directors, so uh, I did look these up to see, like, you know, hey, why why did we need these three guys? So Kurt Gita had directed uh, some other comic series, but they were all DC. He directed episodes of Superman, the animated series. He directed episodes of Batman Beyond, and he directed episodes of The Zeta Project. Okay. And then Stephen E. Gordon had done episodes of X-Men Evolution. (laughs) And then here's a fun one that I I think you'll get a kick out of. Stevie D. Gordon was also part of the animation department for Cool World.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a movie I think most people have forgotten existed. (laughs) I think I do too until I see it pop up somewhere. I bet Brad Pitt would wish we would forget about it.
0: (laughs) Then Bob Richardson... Uh, directed episodes of Spider-Man: The Animated Series, and then a, he went, He goes further back. He also direct, in the '80s. He worked on what, well, not necessarily directed, but he worked on the Spider Woman cartoon, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, and Muppet Babies. <laughs>
1: I really see the Muppet Baby connection with this movie. It's it just yes,
0: yes. It's it's very, very, very close tie in there. Uh, Giant Man. Nanny, yeah, they were the same. Oh, yeah, right up there. Yeah, uh, but dude, Bob Richardson even goes back to the 60s, he worked on the Pink Panther cartoon. Oh, so
1: I, so it's a name that I probably should have known then because he's uh, worked on some pretty iconic properties.
0: Uh, but yeah, three directors for a movie that's barely an hour long, so uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, but the story is adapted from the comics. Uh, it's from the Ultimates universe. In fact, officially, The Ultimates, uh, the new name they gave to the Avengers when Marvel decided to do the relaunch of The Ultimates. And they were... The comic book was uh, part of the the brilliant mind of Mark Millar with artist Brian Hitch. And I'm sure you are familiar with at least Mark Millar's name. I'm, fami- I'm familiar with both of them. Uh, okay. The Ultimate universe is
1: kind of what relaunched me back into comic books when I, in 04, 05, when I decided I wanted to start purchasing books again, um, when I went to the the store, they were like, hey, you know, the the guy at the store was like, you know, there I was, because I was just like, where do I even start? Like, I haven't read, yeah. like, you know, 30 years, 20 years. And he was like, well, try, and he's like, try Ultimate Spider-Man. And he, he talked me into buying ah. the, the volume one of, of Ultimate Spider-Man. I went home yeah. and I burned through it like the first night
0: yeah. I went back. The For next... those who don't know, this is what introduced uh, us to Miles Morales. Right. And, and Yeah. The,
1: but I, I started getting into the Ultimate Universe before we got to Miles Morales. So like mm-hmm. I had to play catch up with, with the Ultimate Universe. So like I was buying um, graphic novels instead of, you know, are the, you know, the trade paperbacks. Yeah. And, the collections. And the collections. Yeah. So, like, I have most all of the Ultimate Spider-Man in trade. Um, the Ultimates I have in the hardcover hard trade yeah. of, of all the first, you know, like, 13 issues.
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was really only a 13-issue run. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because they would, oh, they yeah. were...
1: The Ultimates, other than X-Men and Spider-Man, were really just a collection of, like, short runs... Of connected yeah. stories where they'd pick back I guess Fantastic Four had a little bit of a run too, but you know. I'm I'm very familiar with the Ultimate Universe.
0: And and of course the Ultimate Universe would not only inspire this movie, I mean it, it in essence inspired the MCU. Yeah, it the, did. There's a lot of Yeah,
1: the, the MCU definitely borrows heavy from from the six one six universe as well as, as the sixteen ten.
0: Yeah, but of course, uh, for those not familiar with The Ultimates, you probably also recognize the name Mark Millar, because he's the guy behind The Kingsman, Wanted, Kick-Ass, he was the main uh, writer behind Marvel's Civil War, Old Man Logan, and of course, I have to bring up, he's the guy that wrote Superman, Red Sun. So, uh, this, I mean... Yeah, I mean... There's, Mal- there's not a lot of bad that he's done. No,
1: Millar, Millar is one of my favorite writers. I think the only writer I like more would be Bendis.
0: And... I I could see that. Yeah, you know, but that's just... Which I think Bendis had a hand in a lot of the ben, Ultimate Bendis stuff, Bendis basically
1: created the Ultimate Universe because he did Spider-Man yeah. first. And then they, that's what I thought, they yeah. brought in Millar to kind of help punch up everything else.
0: Yeah, it's funny that... When you talk about the Ultimate Universe, it didn't start with the Ultimates. Like it started with, with they they were doing Spider Man, Fantastic Four, and X Men before they ever did uh, the Ultimates. So it's kind of interesting that you call it the Ultimate Universe, but you don't introduce the Ultimates until uh, a little while into it. Uh, and then artist Brian Hitch, who drew the comic, uh, his name rings a bell to me because he's also the artist behind the Authority for DC which James Gunn is planning on turning into a movie. Yeah, And, you know, like, I don't, I mean, I I know that you have because you do your
1: research, but for those of you who haven't, go look at least at some of his artwork from The Ultimates. There is just some absolutely gorgeous splash panels uh, in The Ultimate book of, of you know, the two double-page, just full Hulk or full, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, Hitch is a really good artist.
0: Yeah, well, for the thirteen issues they had, uh, I don't know if they were main covers or variant covers. Where each cover was just one of the of I say the Avengers, but one of the Ultimates. So there was like an Iron Man cover, and there was a Captain America cover. But I actually I I am I do want to get into the look of some of these a little bit later. So we'll 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 come back around to that. So Ultimate Avengers was written, the screenplay, by Greg Johnson. This is the same guy who wrote for the animated series Wolverine and the X-Men. He wrote for the Incredible Hulk series in the 90s, as well as the 90s Fantastic Four animated series. So, again, you had a (laughs) lot of people in this who had experience. And so I wanted to bring all that up, because we're going to get into what went wrong with this one. So... (laughs) I, I, okay, I'm I'm not get, I'll go ahead and, you know, give my final res, my final decision a little bit. It's not bad. No. But but we'll get into it. So let's get into the characters. Uh we'll do a quick run through. So Captain America was played by Justin Gross, who is mostly a video game voice actor. You got Nick Fury voiced by Andre Ware, who um would also voice Nick Fury in the Fantastic Four video game that was based off of the Jessica Alba movie. Uh, Mark Warden as Iron Man, Tony Stark. Uh, He would continue voicing Iron Man for some of these other movies. He did it for Invincible Iron Man and even for the Iron Man bit at the beginning of Planet Hulk. Um, You have Grey Griffin, although in this uh, she was credited as Grey Delisle uh, playing the Wasp. Many probably recognize that name. I mean, she's Wonder Woman for the DC superhero girls. She was Captain Marvel on... All those DC or not DC uh, Disney XD shows, um, and for those of you who don't watch uh, comic book stuff, she's Vicky on Fairly Odd Parents. She so.
1: she has uh, she has done a lot. Her IMDb page she has yes. Her IMDb page is long with voice credits.
0: Really, everybody in this the their you know their IMDb page is just filled with voice work. And then you got Giant Man Hank Pym Nolan North. Uh, who, hey, he's also Superman in, like, the Lego video games. Uh, He's Green Lantern in a lot of the DC stuff. He was Connor Kent on Young Justice. And then live action, he played uh, Peter Hastings on Pretty Little Liars, uh, for the people who watched that. And then Bruce Banner was voiced by Michael Massey, who I did not know this. He was the gentleman uh, in The Amazing Spider-Man the guy you see at the end of the first movie that's setting up the whole Sinister Six. Okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, that's the guy who voiced Bruce Banner. Uh, he was also Fun Boy in The Crow. Oh, okay. Going back. Uh, yeah. Because I'm sure you want to bring up the memories of The Crow. Yeah. Then you've got, I mean, who else could be the voice of the Hulk other than Fred Tattasori? I mean, the dude is the Hulk. Then Black Widow voiced by Olivia Deboe, who was Princess Jenna from Conan the Destroyer. And, um,
1: was, oh, what was her name on, uh, and now I'm blanking on the, the the Fred Savage show in the 80s. Uh,
0: of The Wonder Years? Yeah, The Wonder Years. Yeah.
1: and she She's the one name that kind of stuck out to me, I mean, other, other than the fact that I know a lot of these people from animation like she's the one name who's like, Oh, you're really well known for being a live action actress, where most everybody else is really well known for being the voiceover people.
0: Now she was also she was Carol Ferris, aka star sapphire in the Justice League animated series.
1: I mean she's done a lot of animated stuff. But you know, when I think of her, I think of uh, Wonder Years, I think of The Big Green, I think of, you know, yeah, you know, other stuff like that. I don't necessarily immediately add to animated. Where if you say Nolan North, I'm immediately like trying to yeah. It's it's easier to lay, list the com- uh, cartoons
0: he's not in. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that. Uh then we've got David Boat as the voice of Thor. Again, another ma- big voice actor here. Uh he played the th- he actually vo- voiced the thing for the Disney XD animated shows. Uh, and then you've got Nan McNamara playing Betty Ross, uh, who not actually that much of a voice actor. She's probably the one that really hasn't done a lot of voice stuff. But this woman has appeared in TV shows going all the way back to ALF, and then all the way through Nine One One, Lone Star. Oh, there you go. Like She has had a really consistent career for a couple of decades. So I'll go ahead and ask the question, then we can dive into some of these... Uh, these a little bit further. But who do you want to see again? And who do you wish would get ripped apart by the Hulk? Um, Well, we'll get to it. But I, I would say the guy who did Banner. Uh, Massey? Yeah. I
1: just, I didn't, I don't know. Like, I didn't, the, the, the voice and the character just didn't match for me.
0: Like, the look of the character the, didn't match with the voice? Yeah,
1: the look of the character didn't match with the voice. And then, you know... I mean, when you can't go wrong with Greg Griffin or or Olivia, I mean, well, Olivia Diablo was, I thought that accent was a little.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. What'd you think about the Russian accent? It was a little like, obviously fake. Which I have a problem with, because, you know, a lot of people have talked about when Scarlett Johansson was playing Black Widow, it's like, well, she doesn't have an accent. And I'm going, well, she shouldn't, because she's supposed to be this super spy. Right. And a super spy would not have an accent, especially if, you know, the whole premise behind Black Widow is that she was a spy undercover in America. Like, she's not going to have this thick Russian accent. Now, I know the Silver Age version did. Like, you would read the bubbles, and I think they would even sometimes even say, in Russian accent. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, or a super spy would be able to fluently change her accent. To match the yeah. situation, but you know, I, the her character did so little that I didn't really think much of it. It's it just Michael Massey, I guess, just his his. It just bothered me, like it really didn't match for what I thought it should. What I thought he
0: should sound like. So, I'm not going to disagree with you that, but I think more so that was the case for me for Justin Gross as Captain America. I thought he sounded too much like a kid.
1: You're not wrong. I mean, it it really comes down to, there's a lot, I mean, that one, you know, Banner just stood out more than the rest of them, but there was a Mm -hmm. lot of them that were just like, man, this doesn't, and I think that might be where we begin to see what didn't work and why it fell apart.
0: Yeah, I I think, though, character-wise, I probably, I honestly didn't really care about Black Widow being in this. What? So. Was she? I. (laughs) Yeah, and that's part of it. I mean, you could really say the same thing about Thor. Uh, I mean, Thor's in the movie probably, what, a total of seven minutes? If that, yeah. Yeah, shows up at the beginning and then shows up again at the end out of the blue. So I really wouldn't care about that. I will say I I actually kind of like Nolan North as Hank Pym, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did a really good job of, of being the jerk. I mean, I do, I do think that maybe they went a little bit too far in establishing... That he was a jerk and sort of irredeemable, and I'm guessing we'll get to why in the the moving panel section. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I just I felt like they maybe they should have at some point like toned it down a little bit or given him some like yeah he's a jerk, but at least there's a little bit of a redeeming quality for him to still be on the team. Yeah, because I mean he was just like every um. every time he would like Cap would give him an order, he'd be like you don't even know what you're talking about. You're like, but that's Captain
0: America. Like, like, come on, you know who that is, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying that the character was good, but I think the character worked for what it was. I, I do want to go to Iron Man real quick though, because this is what I was coming to earlier. You talked about the artwork that Brian Hitch did for the the comic. Now I didn't, I didn't look up who did the artwork. I know that Brian Hitch like supervised for this, but I don't know who actually did the art. What did you think of the look of Iron Man?
1: I mean, I I thought it was a pretty. I mean, are we talking about the Tony Stark? Either one. Okay. I mean, they definitely were using more of the Ultimate armor, the the one that yeah. the one from the Orson Scott Card book. I don't know. I mean, it just it looked. I mean it was obviously Iron Man but it just Iron Man does every time they do him differently just a little different and it's just like he's got like 317 different um you know outfits and mm. you know Mark 1 armor and Mark 317 armor and
0: Yeah yeah this isn't the the big bulky you know just looks like he's inside of a giant you know medicine pill that you got some in the silver age but I don't know, there's something about the way they kind of made his helmet, and this was in the comic too, made his helmet kind of look almost skull-like, I guess you would say, because it like came in on the cheekbones.
1: You know, I, I always kind of felt, at least in some iterations in the Ultimate Universe, that it, it was more Metroid, like, Sam, yeah. like Samus. But you
0: know. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 that's a good comparison. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I wouldn't say anything about that. Anything bad about that. What would you think of uh, Andre Ware as Nick Fury? Because here, here's here's why I'm kind of interested in really your thoughts on all these characters. Because this was before the MCU. So these were... It's it's hard watching this in 2023 and not thinking of Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, right. you know, Samuel L. Jackson... And and like let's let's put it this way.
1: I watched the movie I got I bought it at Best Buy. I ran home and I watched it. I doubt I watched it again until you had me watch it for this.
0: Yeah. You know. I've probably only watched it maybe one or two more times. Yeah. But you know, Before so
1: I, I think I I mean, other than the fact that I've read the book, um I probably forgot about a lot of it. I mean, Andre Ware, I mean, he, he fit he does a good job of Nick Fury. I think he's one of the few that really kind of, you know, nails the the voice and and the the tone of who I think that character would be. But they clearly, even in 2006, had an idea
0: of who they wanted for a live action version. Well, and uh, again, jumping the gun a little bit, in the Ultimates, in issue four, Nick Fury himself says that he should be played by Samuel L. Jackson in the movie.
1: Well, so that I don't when they're, so that yeah. I don't jump the route. Are you gonna get to the game that they play with themselves, uh, when they're sitting around the table deciding who should play who?
0: Oh yeah, we'll get into that. Okay, All we'll right. get into that. And well, it, it, you know what? Let's let's just go. Let's let's just pause now, and then we'll do it. Okay.
1: <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world. So many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Hell friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get
0: my entertainment news from Variety.
1: Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit pop culture roulette new episodes every Monday available on all major podcast directories. So I was reading I was rereading the book because I like I said, I, I do love the ultimate universe. It was what got me back into comics not just watching and, and, and you know we're not just watching them and playing the games, but actually reading them. So I went back and I read it and I was like, oh, okay and then I saw that. And I was like, they fantasy casted themselves in the movie. And yeah. uh, there were some interesting choices.
0: Do you have the list or do you need me to go through the list? Uh,
1: I have it. I think I got it. Okay. But uh, I have, uh, they wanted Johnny Depp to be Iron Man. Yep. Uh, which I think, so this is what I, I know that they struck a deal with Sam Jackson to use his likeness in the books. Uh, yes, because this Nick
0: Fury, the look is, is actually inspired by. Off of Samuel. Jackson. So
1: when they chose him in the book, I'm guessing it's because they already knew they had a deal. So I don't know if they were like, hey, we're trying to get into live action. Let's throw out some names and see if we can drum
0: up some interest. I mean, they've done this for years. I remember old issues of Wizard magazine where they would like fan cast the X Men oh, yeah. or something, like Kevin but, Costner but, as Cyclops. Right,
1: and, but it was it's one thing for Wizard to do it; it's another thing entirely for Marvel itself to do it. To, yeah, true. Uh, they had Steve Buscemi for Hulk slash Banner. Yeah, <laughs> watch in in the animation. Uh, that could work. It yeah. looked like Steve Buscemi, you know. Uh, Fury Sam Jack Captain America is Brad Pitt. Yep, which maybe at the time
0: would have worked. I don't know. Well, that's the thing you got to remember. This is you know March of 2002, and then this was issue four. So you're still looking at you know late summer, early fall of 2002. Yeah, so right here in the early 2000s, yeah, Johnny Depp is hitting his stride with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You know, Brad Pitt's got a, a run going. Um,
1: this one was a little strange, but because it, it, it didn't really translate for me. Lucy Liu as Wasp.
0: Well, Wasp even says in the comic, she goes, "Is it because she's Asian?" Right. Um, and then Matthew McConaughey is Hank Pym. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Which
1: might still work, but I mean, obviously, Michael Douglas took that role. Um, and then I couldn't. I don't think I have anything else written down. So
0: no, that's all okay. they they do. They they didn't get. They didn't say anybody for Thor, although I do like the joke uh, when he shows up in the movie, and it's like, uh, who's the chick with the hammer? Yeah, I uh.
1: I don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe because I used to have long hair, I'm a little more sensitive, but that joke just seemed <laughs> uh, out of... Oh, no, it doesn't hold okay, up. Okay, it just seemed out of place. It really, yeah. not even, you know, it, you know, 20 years
0: later, does the joke work? No, it just seemed out of place even for then, you know? So much of this movie was out of place. Uh, but to get into it, I, I think I've already mentioned, so the comic is The Ultimates, 13 issues. They then brought it back, and they called it The Ultimates 2. Uh, and they also have an Ultimates 3. Uh, but it ran from March 2002 to April 2004. And if you're doing the math, you're going, how in the world did 13 issues take two years? Uh, apparently there were delays. Uh, in the run of this 13 issues. Yeah, 13 issues, but it took two years to do it. But the story reboots the the Avengers, and they keep uh, essentially what was the original lineup from the, the Avengers comic from back in the 60s. Of course, they do add in uh, Nick Fury and Black Widow. Uh, the comic book also adds in Hawkeye, and then randomly scarlet witch and quicksilver
1: well they were some of the original members of the avengers in the the original run
0: which is yeah wh- but later into the original run
1: which is where marvel got to use quicksilver and scarlet witch and fox was able to use well they yes. only used quicksilver because yeah. because they had been so established as avengers like Fox mm-hmm. had to share credit with those two, which is why yeah, we have the like, whole Quicksilver mess right now. But
0: yeah, a little loophole. And well, and see, that's going to get messy even more so with the fact that, uh, oh, I forgot his name. Um, Evan Peters. Dude that played. Evan Peters? Or Aaron? No, no. Aaron Taylor the, Johnson. Yeah. A- a- Aaron Taylor Johnson is returning to play Craven. Uh, Craven. So. I'm like, okay, this is going to get more confusing now because yeah. if he's coming as Craven as part of the Spider-Man universe, but they've now connected the Spider-Man universe to the MCU. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah. it's
1: gonna, it's gonna have
0: to pretend we don't know things. Yeah, so let's let's start. Do you want to start with the similarities or with the differences between the movie and the? Well, the
1: similarities will be a much shorter conversation. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the overall story is roughly the same, right?
1: And I think they really only did about the first six issues,
0: ish. Yeah, because yeah, because it's really only up to the the attack at that warehouse, right? Where
1: where Hulk freaks out.
0: Yes. Yeah, and then which I will also point it point out is kind of a tie-in to the original story because in the '60s, the you know Avengers number one, the premise was why did you know, Giant Man, uh, Thor, and Iron Man, and Captain America. Well, not Captain America because he didn't show up till issue four. But why did they have to team up? And it was to to stop the whole. Okay, well, because Loki was. Let's
1: let's take a step back here and we'll talk about the Ultimate Universe as a whole. The whole reason mm-hmm. that Marvel started it was that they realized they were having a harder time getting the younger audience in because yes because when you're now in issue 150 230 whatever they were up to yeah. because you got 40 years yeah, of you got story Stan Lee start you know Stan Lee and all the other guys I'm not saying he started it by himself don't you know get all up about that but you've got you know 1960 something up until 2001 of numbers where yeah. if you're coming back into it or you're new It's kind of hard to get in because you don't know where, which is why they always restart numbering so that, you know, Mm -hmm. like they keep the numbers low, but they handed it to Bendis and said, okay, you can do it a little differently, but you you have to keep basically the same premise. I mean, some characters got radically changed, but, you know, Spider-Man was still Spider-Man. He had slight key differences and, and they were like, well, instead of doing it this way, let's do it this way. Kind of like that, you know, that what if like when they would do what ifs, they're like, well, let's just start a whole universe of what if. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they kept a lot of the stories basically the same and then let them grow out until it got really crazy and somehow Reed Richards became the ultimate evil yeah. became the ultimate bad guy. But um You know, so at this point in the run of the Ultimates or in the Ultimate Universe, everything is staying a little closer to what it originally was supposed to be. Just change it just a little bit so that, you know, Hulk is more of a bad guy or stays a bad guy. You know, well, our other, you know, Thor, was he a god? Was he not a god? You know, there had that whole, you know... Yeah, so they, and then, you know, Spider Man with all his villains getting slightly different. Spider Man's origin was a little different. It was just, it was just different enough, but it was also something to
0: reinvigorate, you know, what. Yeah, because there was a lot of what came out of the Ultimates universe that kind of became the official canon. Like, for instance, Bruce Banner and the Hulk being tied to the Super Soldier Serum. Right. Like, that is now, that's now what what everybody accepts is that it was a, an attempt to recreate the super soldier serum that eventually led to Bruce Banner getting turned into the Hulk. So, so yeah, there was a lot. And again, Miles Morales came out of yeah. the ultimate And they have, universe, and there's
1: so. been a couple of ultimate characters who, who once they killed the ultimate universe, got shook out into the 616 universe. Miles Morales being the biggest one.
0: And again, I know we said of the MCU, but yeah, you know, <laughs> Getting rid of that uh, horrible mask for Hawkeye and giving Hawkeye a more, a more streamlined, yes, kind of look. Yeah. Well, I mean, comes out of this. There
1: well. are, are a lot of things. Like when I watched, it was definitely Amazing Spider-Man Two, where I was like, "Oh, this is not the same Spider." Like this is where I was like, "Oh, okay, they're not doing Six One Six Spider-Man. They're doing Ultimate Spider-Man." Yeah, that's that's what like oh Andrew Garfield was a different Peter Parker altogether in my mind because of the storyline that they were doing with you know the whole you know his father was you know a really you know a su- super secret scientist and you know mm. what you know they you know whatever I mean there's that's a whole other issue but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean so they're, they're I mean yeah they they keep with you know cap and, and they went to i'm glad they at least unlike the mcu you know they at least still had cap is underwater frozen versus the whole plane crash thing and he's just stuck in the the snow that the mcu did but but they they at least step stuck with that which is what it was in the 60s they brought it back for for this the bucky not being the winter soldier like that's what do you think of that though
1: it honestly makes more sense in the long run. I mean, it's just one of those, like, because, I mean, when, oh, who was it that did that one? Kurt Busick? Was he the one that did The Winter Soldier was really Bucky?
0: I'm not 100% on that Okay.
1: One. That was kind of like, I mean, it works now because we've just gotten used to it. But at the time, you're like, what yeah. the, what is this? Because, you know, the whole time you've always just thought that, well, first off, most people forgot that Bucky exists. Until they figured out a way to like bring him back.
0: Well, I at least like that he's not—he wasn't a kid, a teenage sidekick, uh, like he was in the 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 earlier comics, where he was the the army's like mascot. I think is what they called yeah, him. Yeah, it, it he was their teenage mascot.
1: Which is either a product of the time when Captain America was either running or, or like, because that was the whole Batman Robin thing where you're like, so this grown adult is running around fighting crime with a teenager, or yeah. a preteen. What what is the... I mean, so I mean, Batman did it. Cap was doing it. Uh, there was a lot of guys that were doing it back then. It was weird.
0: Well, yeah, that yeah, it was. It was almost that same way we're talking about them with the Avengers because you're looking at these characters. You captain america batman superman who had originated in the 40s and superman was uh 38 i think batman was 39 um but they had originated in the 40s we're now into the 60s so 20 years you're talking about a new generation so you have to appeal to the younger audience so batman gets robin Captain America gets Bucky. Superman now has the Superboy stories. Oh, yeah. And so you get the Superboy. Yeah, I mean, Green Arrow gets Speedy. And we we get all of these little uh, sidekicks. But yeah, so you got Bucky and Gale growing up to get married, um, which is another interesting thing. So you're looking at when they do the original Avengers in the 60s, Cap had only been frozen for 15, 20 years. Now it's been 60 years that he's been frozen. I have a question, completely side question, but this, after reading Ultimates, after watching this and thinking about this, this is a question I have to ask. How long can you keep Captain America a World War II soldier?
1: I don't know, because, I mean, at some point, I mean, because you have already retconned uh, Iron Man. Yep. Uh, out of being Viet, was it Vietnam originally? I think it was Vietnam. Yeah. yes. Now it's it's uh it's been retconned into being you know a a, a non named uh, you know middle yeah, middle eastern terrorist cop, organization you yeah. know middle eastern conflict. So at some point I don't know if you have to update Iron Man uh, if you can. not you have to find a way to to update it to, I guess, maybe Vietnam or I don't know. It's so because Captain America is also so brutally tied into being in World War Two. Like, I mean, that's yeah. the entire or I don't know how in 20 years. If you redo it, like how you keep it tied into World War Two and still. Yeah, he's been in there
0: for 100 years. That was part of my questioning. Was it's been 60 years with the technology that you have. How have you not found him yet? How, why did it take you 60 years to find him? It's a good question. Even if you didn't know exactly where he fell, you obviously had to have an idea because you know the event. What's so. Which is does how? Why does it take sixty years? And I know they try to brush it off by having Betty Banner say, "This is the Atlantic Ocean and there are currents and tides and which is changes." Which and, is where, at least, I think the animated movie
1: makes a little more sense because it was just him finding a body mm-hmm. in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere in the art. You know, it would be darn near impossible. Where in the MCU, where he goes down and stays in the plane, true, it's yeah. pretty hard to lose an entire plane. I mean, it's yeah. not impossible, but well, I don't know. Amelia Earhart did it. Yeah, I so. mean, I mean, MH three seventy, you know, from what <laughs> three or four years ago is still just gone. Like we don't know where it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and then of course they they keep the the Thor being reluctant to join aspect from the comic. Um, what do you think of the way that? What, what do you think of Thor being this environment? Like, my question is, why? Why is he an environmentalist? Solely
1: because he was in the comic book. I don't... And even then, that's such a stretch. Like, why... Why? I mean, Thor being who he is... I mean, he would care about the environment, but only to an extent. Maybe not enough to be, like, basically an eco-terrorist.
0: Yeah. It's just strange. It was just... I mean, it's, it's almost like we want to make him a hippie, but he's got to be a hippie in the 2000s. Yeah. And I guess they think... You know, uh, environmentalists are as close to hippies as you can get nowadays. Uh, and then I've already mentioned the Banner stuff and him secretly testing on himself. That comes from the comics. Uh, and then the shatari. This gave us the shatari, which were, I guess, the Ultimates version of the scrolls. Um Yes and no. Um, yeah, I, that's why I was because I know that they uh, later would then bring in the scrolls. Yeah,
1: I mean they they kind of brought in the scrolls and the Fantastic Four for a very very brief. I'm not even sure if it was more than an issue. Um, yeah but you know, and because of the weird rights with the scrolls to begin with, that's why I think the MCU chose the Shatari um, for the Avengers movie. Um, yeah. But because they already had an alien group that they could use. But yeah, the the Jatari the in the Ultimate universe is definitely a lot closer to the Skrulls being shape shifting. Yeah, because I mean, it's shape shifting, yeah. I mean, the Skrulls are already, you know, the bad guys in for the most part in the Marvel, in the 616 universe. But they don't necessarily, like, kill people or, like, suck their organs out to take their body, you know, to overtake them, like, to be the shape shifting. Which
0: in the comic. In the comic, it's implied that they eat the person. Yes. In order to, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit more, but that's, that's again, that goes back to the whole thing with the Ultimate Universe is that it's supposed to be a little more grounded in reality, a little bit dirtier, a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, edgier. Like they took everything and they, you know, they, you know, they, they dirtied up a little bit, made it a little bit more, you know, because there's definitely some things and I'm sure we're about to get to that section. Uh, where stuff that happened in the Ultimate Universe is not as kid-friendly as the 616
0: universe. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I do want to talk with the Shatari though. One of my biggest issues with the movie is when Cap enters that room and you just see these aliens, like, typing on the computers. And that's it. That's your reveal, that the Nazis are working with aliens. Whereas I think if you maybe held back on that just for a, a few minutes... And when Cap throws his shield into Kleiser and you see that Kleiser's an alien, like, that should have been the reveal. Right. To me.
1: Um, okay. Because I also wrote down the camera lens that Bucky's using, picks up, is must be the best camera lens of all time from 1940-something.
0: From to, the 40s. To yeah. pick
1: up Cap on the ship, like, ripping the panel off. Um, he's on a rocket. And all of a sudden all these UFOs, alien ships show up, and none of the u s soldiers go, "What is going on?" They're all like, "Oh, yep, the Nazis are used to fighting with aliens
0: <laughs> yeah the the Shatari reveal is like nothing in this movie right and then it, it there's no shock to it. At I mean all. there's
1: literally hundreds and hundreds of men on this you know on this battleground who saw multiple UFOs fighting Captain America maybe even made it into the building and saw some of the Shatari. I, they, that's, you know, I, they, mm-hmm. they are not real clear on that. And at no point does it, like when, when Sam, well, Sam Jackson, when Nick Fury brings up, uh, the Shatari alien thing, people are like, Oh, you're crazy. There's no such thing.
0: No, yeah. Says the guy who can grow to the size of a, a skyscraper. Right, you know, and, and you're just like, but do you know how many people saw the Shatari Like that? Like, yeah.
1: I would think that would be bigger news than we just won World War II. Like we won World War II, and we have
0: proof of aliens, and there are aliens, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they were fighting with the Nazis. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course that gets into our differences, uh, which we'll we'll get into and and probably poke a lot on, especially what we, Nick was uh, just talking about with <laughs> that. This is not your as as people would say, this is not your uh, grandpa's uh, Avengers. But one of the differences is that in the movie, they have where Banner has used Cap's blood to make a new Hulk serum, I guess. Because they they don't explain in the movie like they do in the comics that he actually injects himself in order to turn into the Hulk. Whereas in the movie, they just make it as the if he gets angry. yeah but the comic it's it's a it's like a dr jekyll and mr hyde serum and it's not until he injects himself with the one with captain america they then say in the comic the hulk uh, serum hasn't completely left your body you know it's some of it's still staying and they think it's because of the super soldier serum
1: yeah and uh, yeah i mean they're i'm trying to remember Exactly how everything went in the comic and and in the book. Because in the movie, they tried to say that, like, because he could be, he had been the Hulk in the past, he was trying to find a way to control the Hulk. Because later on in the books, like, Hulk and Banner kind of come to an agreement. So, like, when he becomes Hulk, he's still somewhat under control and not just a rampaging Mm -hmm. beast. Instead of just hating each other and always fighting one another, like, they kind of coexist a little bit where it seems that, like, in this one, like he's like, if I inject myself with a super soldier serum, super soldier serum, wow, that <laughs> word is hard to say. It um is. I can find a way to control it and be the Hulk, but not
0: a rampaging beast. Yeah. And, Which he does for a little while, uh, and then the Hulk takes back over, and ultimately the Hulk ends up being really the villain of this movie. right? Because... The Shatari is taken out very easily. Uh, And then it turns on to be the Hulk. But yeah, he never never gets control in this run of the story in the comics. He is just a rampaging monster who... And we're going to keep it as PG as we can as we're talking about this. But in the comics, Hulk is angry because Hulk want Betty. Hulk want Betty in the biblical way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. And she's and he's very and,
1: mad that she's on a date with Freddie
0: Prince Jr. <laughs> yes. Which which me as a Sarah Michelle Gellar fan was like, wait, wasn't Freddie Prince Jr. with Sarah Michelle Gellar in two thousand two? And yeah. they were. So, um, but and then he he thinks that Captain America is moving in on Betty or not Betty? Yes, on Betty. Uh, and so he gets jealous and. Goes after Cap, but then Cap uses the most simple, like reverse psychology, on him and makes the Hulk think that Kleiser is the one actually going after Betty, and that's what makes the Hulk fight the Nazis, the Shatari, whatever. It's it's weird in the comic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's very weird. Yeah. And I just I was just looking at my notes again and I and I re- I realized I I probably shouldn't take notes in two separate places but I did. Um in issue 3 there was a some there was a a, a joke about nose breaking that involved Robert Downey Jr.
0: Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, that. I wrote
1: it down and I wish I had been a little bit more careful about writing it down because I don't because first off, one, I don't remember Robert Downey Jr ever getting his nose broke. But I'm not like a, like an expert on his you know life. Um, but they make a joke about oh if I break my nose again I'll I'll be like Robert Downey Jr. and I was like well that's funny because he ends up becoming Iron Man. Uh, one of the bigger differences well, you know with Iron Man is that in the in the Ultimate Universe I believe from the get go everybody knows that Tony yes. Stark is is Iron Man.
0: Yeah, that was literally my next. And and that was that. And that in
1: the in the movie they tried to keep it secret because I mean that and that's where the six one six were picked up on. Well, and the MCU really picked up on it because at the end of of Iron Man one, where he's doing the press conference and he just goes, "I'm mm-hmm. Iron Man." Like that's where they were like, "Okay, this is probably more in the Ultimate world than, you know, the six one six world."
0: Yeah. Yeah that that was and then. Uh, another, I think, big difference is the movie tries to keep to the Silver Age Captain America, the one that Chris Evans even portrayed, of the Ultimate Boy Scout. But in the Ultimates comic, Cap is not a Boy Scout. No. Like, Cap does a lot of gray area stuff. Yeah,
1: and, and it, in the first few issues like it's not it, it's becomes it later when you know he's a little bit more violent a little bit more willing to push the envelope on the battlefield you know there's a, a great a great scene in the book that I, I, I want to say it's in the first run I didn't get to that issue where he's beating somebody and he's like you think this a on my uh, helmet stands for France
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what he says to Kleiser in the in the the fine at the end of this thirteen issues when he's fighting them and uh Kleiser's telling him something about, you know, you'll never win, why don't you just surrender? And he says, Do you think this A stands for France? Yeah.
1: Which I don't think <laughs> yeah. even if he uh, even if he thought it, I don't think the uh, the Chris Evans version of of Cash yeah. would ever say something like
0: that. Well even even the way he uses Hulk as a weapon The Chris Evans cap would not do that, uh, in the way he does it, uh, or, or, and let's go ahead and get into this, the Hank and Janet storyline. Yeah. And cap goes after Hank, like takes vengeance out on Hank for what he does to Janet. Yeah. Because I mean, and I think does
1: it? In the regular six one six in the original, you know, Silver Age, Golden Age, whatever run of of Ant Man and the Wasp, and when Ant Man is keeps going between Hank Pym and Ant Man and and Giant Yellow Jacket, he slapped Janet in that run too, right?
0: Yeah, so it's a, yeah, that's the 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 catalyst of the story is there's where Hank Pym, his Yellow Jacket at the time, okay. And he's getting really frustrated because the Avengers, I think they've kicked him out at this point. I know this is around the time where he gets kicked out of the Avengers. And Hank is actually causing issues so that he can come in and look like the hero and the Avengers would want him back. And Janet was like, you can't do this. You can't do this. And he turns around and backslaps her. And that's the the infamous, you know, meme shot that you always see of him hitting Janet. This one takes it to a whole different level. Yeah, it is. Uh,
1: it's a little bit more than just slapping. There's, yes. Yeah. There's
0: there's some very very violent physical battle between the two of them. I mean, they even they even start using their powers on each other. Uh, she goes to wasp size and stings him a few times, and then he gets his helmet on and ultimately has her attacked by a swarm of ants while she is wasp size and sends her into anaphylactic shock because of it. Yeah. And I mean, it's bad. Right.
1: And I mean, and I think that's where, like, because they were doing an animated movie the, and they were trying to probably keep it more kid yeah, friendly. You're not gonna you're do, not gonna do so. I think that's where they were like, well, let's make him as much of a jerk as we can.
0: And he was a jerk.
1: Without doing that, so that people still hate him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I think they they there was at the very end, there was the little hint of it when. They're talking about, well, I guess we're a team now. And then they all kind of uh, part ways. And as Hank's, this is, well, this is that middle part where the, the story goes wrong. The the mission goes wrong. And this is in the movie. And Hank goes to walk away. And Janet, I think, says something. And you hear Hank go, Janet, now. Yeah. And she just she just stops what she's saying and walks off. I think that's the one part of the movie that r- hints at their toxic relationship. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's and again, I you know I think it's it's you have to be because they were trying to do it more for kids. You know, they weren't trying to do like you know sausage party.
0: Yeah, you're not gonna have <laughs> domestic violence in a right <laughs> animated yeah. superhero movie. Put it in the comics, but not in the the animated movie. Uh, But what did you think in the comic? Janet though isn't necessarily you know. I I hate. I don't want to make her sound like she's not a victim because she's one hundred percent a victim. But I mean, one of the first things she does when they are having to fight the Hulk is she takes her top off to distract the Hulk.
1: Um, That is, you know, and that's where I get with the you know, like I said with the Ultimate Universe you know, being a little bit dirtier than the regular universe. Oh yeah. And that, that is, you know, because they just, they're like, let's be a little bit, you know, not, not adult in the classic sense of the, you know, like the, ooh you know, the titillating version of being adult, but adult is in like, we don't want kid kids reading this. This is more for like teenagers and above, you know, Um, because like I was watching the movie today, and I it struck me her costume, how what are the physics of that? Like how does it work? Like it doesn't seem like that costume should be able to stay on.
0: Yeah. Cause it well, yeah, because it, it just cause she's gotta have the opening in the back for her wings, and then the front of it just Comes around. I mean, it's like a, it's kind of like some open back dress. Yeah, but I mean, it's also it
1: really, like, form, like, really, like, super, like, spandexy. It just didn't make a lot of sense from a design standpoint, but it's also animated, so whatever.
0: So they also retcon her in the comic and they make her a mutant. What, yeah, which they, they kind of, they were, I
1: don't remember where they were in the Ultimate X Men when the uh, ultimate started because they, you know, they talk about it in the book where they're like, you, yeah. you didn't want them to find out you're a
0: mutant because mutant. Yeah. Cause X-Men were still looked down upon. Yeah,
1: Mutant is and... still a, a dirty word, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about, and then we can go on to our final decision. What were your thoughts in, because this doesn't happen in the comic. So this is just for the movie. What were your thoughts on Hulk lifting Mjolnir? I think that is not okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't like, especially the fact, so he struggles to pick it up first and he's using both hands, but then once he picks it up, he just takes one hand and throws Mjolnir and then he just picks it up the second time with ease. Yeah, it, it didn't really follow its own rules. I just, I,
1: there there again it's been so long since I've read a lot of it I can't remember what the
0: rules on Mjolnir
1: in the Ultimate Universe were compared to the 616 universe
0: in at least in this run of the Ultimates these 13 issues they didn't establish it. Yeah. Uh I think he does call the hammer uh Mjolnir even though of course it looks more like Stormbreaker but he calls it Mjolnir whereas in the movie he never calls it Mjolnir. Right because i mean in in the book
1: we have it established that he you know he was somebody Thorinson or Thor Legend or I don't he was a guy who yeah. had a mental breakdown and now he thinks he's Thor and so that's what most people thought it was but you come to find out that he was Thor all along and the mental breakdown helped him realize that
0: yeah well they they went they did a roller coaster with it and this wasn't in the thirteen issues this was they did a roller coaster with it where they they found out that he just found the hammer the hammer was magical but he just found it and then to explain the the fact that he could fly they found out that the suit he was wearing was giving him the ability to fly and so that was leading more to he's just a crazy guy who happened to found this, find this magical hammer but then they later said nope he actually is thor the the thunder god yeah it- I think sometimes the ultimate universe got so wrapped
1: up in trying to be just a, just different that they kind of forgot to make quality. Not to say that, I mean, a lot of it was good, but sometimes you're like, wait, what is, it's a good story. What is going on Uh, here? Yeah. Yeah. I had one thing on my notes that we didn't get to. um,
0: Uh,
1: So he brings out this shred, shred, shred of, of vibranium. uh, And. And then he brings in some shield agents who just in the middle of the war room yeah. open fire yeah. on it with with machine guns and
0: flamethrowers. Flamethrower and, rock- and a grenade and just, launcher. Yeah, like a yeah. Which seems really, really irresponsible for like the middle of a <laughs> Well, and they even they even do like a wide shot when he they shoot it with the rocket launcher and none of them react. Like they don't have like. Why did you do that shot to show all of them if you're not going to animate them? Like, oh dear God! Like none of them just, react. It seems so out of place. And you were talking about Bucky's camera in 1940. Can we also talk about Captain America's uh, grenade that was powerful enough to blow up a rocket? Well, see, I assume that it wasn't
1: powerful enough to start a fire or blow up something. And then that was enough to uh, blow the rocket. Use the rocket against itself.
0: Yeah, maybe. I'm not a big ammunitions guy, but I know that grenades don't usually explode like that. So yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, I, I I can see what yeah, you're
1: saying. That's just I think that's what they were going with. I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily. I mean, in a 110
0: minute movie, you don't really have time to establish too much. Yeah. Oh yeah, you have no time to establish anything. So that gets into it. Let's get into bag it, stack it, or trade it. So, Nicholas, what say you? Uh
1: man, it's borderline trade stack. I, I guess I would say stack it just because it's not terrible. I mean, we're not talking the Incredible Hulk here. Um, but it's not. It's definitely not good enough to to bag. Because you know, like, I mean, I'll keep it in the collection because it's just worth having. But I'm probably not going to pull out very often. Like I'm just going to leave it over there in the pile with the other stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm stack it as well. And for almost the same reasons, it's fun to watch, but that's it. And yes, I know I'm biased a little bit. You know, DC makes much better animated movies, but for the Marvel animated movies, this is one of the better ones. I I will say. Uh, not, not saying it's the best, but it's one of the better ones. Because you go back to that list that I gave. I mean, Invincible Iron Man? Uh, I'd rather watch Ultimate Avengers. Doctor Strange? I'd rather watch Ultimate Avengers. Tales of Asgard? I'd rather watch Ultimate Avengers. I mean, they, they had better. Planet Hulk was better. I'm a fan of Hulk versus. Yeah, that one, that uh, one
1: was a lot of fun. I do remember that one. Planet Hulk? And and you did that really good episode with Chad? Chad, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you guys were were spot on. Like, I want him to do it. And granted, I think Ragnarok took away a lot of it, but I'm mm. I'm still hoping with the introduction of Scar, like we still get some something, something because that would have been such yes. just an epic. Like if they had stayed closer to the book, and now that they have the rights for most everything back, like it would just be oh that would be so even if they just did another animated one
0: and then you get into Ult- ultimate avengers 2 after you're watching and i know we're only talking about the first one but after when you go and watch ultimate avengers 2 you almost want to question why didn't they put these two movies together because they got people like me and you to go to best buy that's true and spend the money that's exactly what they do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, because they And then and then they release, you know, the the special edition version with just a couple of extra features and we go and buy yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Well, and if memory serves like every one of the animated movies came with like a trading card or a poster or or some something extra that like you're like, Okay, well I, I want that. I I gotta have I gotta have that, you know, three D action card that is, you know, I've lost. I still have the D V D, but who knows where that Extra thing that I absolutely had to have.
0: Well, I know this, I didn't even look at it. I know this DVD had like a booklet as like the insert inside of it. So I'm sure it had like a little mini comic I, or, or something in it. I, uh,
1: I, when I opened it up, I had a little booklet and it still had the uh, coupons that used to come in yeah. DVDs that were like, yeah. free get two dollars off your next yeah, free free 12 inch pizza with purchase of 12 inch, and you're like well, oh okay. yeah oh expired 2007 okay well i get yeah. don't think i can try to use this coupon now
0: <laughs> yeah but that's what's fun and again these were the first i mean it was the first one of the marvel uh animated stuff so we there's there's others out there again we've already talked about planet hulk uh, and we got some of the others we'll talk about so we'll see we'll see how that goes but well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, again, the movie's only an hour and eight minutes before credits, and so we've we've sat here and talked. Is you could watch the movie uh, while we've sat here and talked. Yeah, I think we're both agreeing. Watch it, but yeah, that's it. You're gonna you're gonna go. I watched it. That's I now. Let me ask you this question: what What would you say about reading? The ultimates, the 13 issue run.
1: I would absolutely read it. Uh that would be bagged for me. Like a big Yeah, it. I agree. I would, however, give a caveat of like age fourteen or fifteen. I
0: agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. Is that not for the younger No, audience? It, It's not, it's not I mean, you
1: have to know your kid, you know, you have to know what their maturity level is and and know what they can handle so maybe maybe a young slightly younger kid can handle it i was reading james bond books way earlier than i probably should have been reading james bond books but um i think my parents knew i could handle it and not uh well become a british Secret service agent uh yeah but um you know there 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 are things that are a little bit more adult in nature In and, and but nothing yeah. like nothing like x-rated uh you know like not no. not like not like say brightburn you know when you're talking about comic book movies and and you're like yeah you're that's rated r and you're keeping it it's a hard pg-13 you know that that
0: pg-13 yeah. almost r you know yeah and it's more and it mostly pushes that in the content yeah. because dialogue wise there are some curse words but it's like says the pg-13 variety uh, but yeah, content. I mean, geez, it ends with Hulk eating a dude, so <laughs> it gives you gives you an idea how graphic it gets. Because the Chitauri, they don't really have a form in the comic. They're kind of. It almost reminded me of the Thing, of the way they kind of look.
1: Yeah, they they just take the form of whatever planet they're trying to take over. So they don't really have. Yeah. A- they're kind of a, a true form. They're kind of
0: amorphous, but you know, yeah, but all right, let's, let's wrap it up there. Uh, Nicholas, you got uh, anything that you want to share about, uh, what's going on on pop culture roulette? Uh,
1: we just did a couple episodes of who played it better where we talk about all the live action. So to get away from animation, but we, <laughs> we te- kept it to just live action. Of, like who played Nick Fury better. David Hasselhoff or Samuel L. Jackson. I mean that's an easy. Oh, it's it's the Hoff. I mean, come you on. know what? <laughs>
0: that's a more interesting debate than you would think we would have. But because they're playing, they're playing two different versions of Nick Fury. Yeah,
1: and then we talk about you know Spider Man. Like we go back all the way back to the guy who did him Ooh. on Electric Company. Oh wow! <laughs> and then uh, yeah, so yeah,
0: you know, we did that, and we're about to do the DC one. So yeah, I'm gonna have to. I I checked out your independent. Episode where you did the ones that were not Marvel DC, more like the comic strips. Yeah. I listened to that one. That was interesting. <laughs> very interesting because you're going back to stuff that I don't even think people knew existed. But then, yeah, I haven't gotten the chance to listen to the Marvel one. And, of course, I'm very excited to hear where you go with the DC one. All right. Well, thank you, Nicholas, for joining us uh, for this trip into Marvel's first animated uh theatrical movie it wasn't in theaters but first mainstream movie that marvel animated and then uh we're gonna get into dc's which is superman doomsday in a couple of weeks uh, for this animation month so thank you for joining us everybody rate and review the show follow us on social media we always appreciate that but for today for moving panels i'm laramie wells and i'll see you on the other side of the page Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s flick flashback podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host, to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our 1st time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. (coughs)